Welcome to Cherry Hibiscus Tea, a podcast in which we meet the artists behind the words. I'm your host, Ellen Bennett, and this week we have voice actor Erica the narrator. Erica, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Now, for those of you who are meeting Erica for the first time, Erica the narrator hails from Holly Springs, North Carolina, and grew up in Hempstead, Long Island. She discovered her love for reading in the pages of her mother's book collection. Erica is a voiceover artist who lends her immense talent to books, video games, commercials, and education, and other great things. Welcome, Erica. Thank you. Thank you. It amazes me <laughs> when you uh, read out my life like that. Yeah, you, you did your homework. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Erica, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Like, talk us from your journey uh, into becoming Erica the Narrator. Who is Erica? Erica the Narrator. Well, Erica the Narrator didn't officially start until I'll be turning 36 next month. But Erica the Narrator didn't officially start until this year. Um, My love of books, though, began as a kid, probably around 11 or 12. My mom read heavy, and I mean, like, thick books bigger than me at that age. And um, I was curious, you know, as to why every time I looked up, she had these gigantic books in her hand. So I asked her one day if I could read her book. And she looked at me, you know, a little sideways, like, you know, she wasn't sure whether I should actually read those type of books because they were romance books at the time. So I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. I was going to say, what kind of books was mom reading? Yeah, mom was reading, <laughs> she was reading uh, romance books, uh, sagas and, you know, all kind of uh, historical romances and things of that nature. But um, yeah, so she kind of looked at me sideways, but she was like, yeah, babe, go ahead, you know? So that's where it started for me. I read the first one, and then before I knew it, I was in, uh, you know, libraries finding my own interest in, you know, particular genres. Which genres specifically? Uh, so I, when I, when I started, it was romance. But then I, I delved into, you know, suspense, and I even had a horror phase, you know, Dean Koontz and Stephen King, and I went into my um, thrillers. I mean, I, I've, I've read everything. Currently, though, I've been in the science fiction heavy. Anything sci-fi, I enjoy. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's how I began. Have you ever, um, well, it's not, I don't think it's a book, but have you heard of Battlestar Galactica? I have. Uh, I used to watch that show. Like, how, are, are you, what do you know about it? I don't, I don't really know too much. Um, and I'm going to say that I do know that, that they're books, but they are also movies. I mean, no, you said you, you read them as books, right? I'm tr- no, no, no. I watched the TV show. Okay. Like I watched the the new the the remake that had Edward James uh, Edward James almost and all of those wonderful people. Starbuck was a female and everything. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. Um. I didn't watch it, but I am aware that they are books. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's a video game too, isn't it? Like a it's like an old video game though. Battlestar Galactica. 
It could be. I don't even know. I got to look that up. I just remember like watching um, watching the the TV show like late at night. They used to show reruns. And I just remember really getting into that heavy. And I also um, remember watching like Star Trek and, and things like that, like that good sci-fi I stuff. I did. I did love Star Trek, but I love the new generation with uh, Captain Luke Picard. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't really care for the for the older ones with um, what's his name, uh, Captain Kirk. Yeah, Captain Kirk. I didn't. I didn't really. That was my mom's thing. I'm I'm the new generation. Yeah, I was a Janeway girl, total Janeway girl. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, all right. Before we go too far into the direction of sci-fi here at Cherry Hibiscus Tea, we are all family. We are queer artists of color and we all have our coming out stories and every story is different. When did you realize that you were queer and who's the first person you told? Uh, I realized at a, at a young age, um, I think I realized, well, I'm going to say I knew I was different around the age of six, around the age of 12, uh, about 12 or 13, I told my sister first that I like girls. Um, It was never anything that was actually discussed in my family. I've I've always been a a tomboy, so to speak. Um, But it was, it was never anything that was really discussed in the, in the family. Um, I left to go to school um, around 18. And I think I came home to visit one weekend and, you know, I was out in the street, you know, ripping and running and I think I'd been kissing this female. And I I think a family member saw me. I don't know. Something shook me (laughs) because I knew that day um, that I needed to tell my mother before it got back to her, you know, from out in the street. (laughs) So my mom, uh, she drove me back to school that night. And I remember getting in the car saying, as I was getting into the car, I said to her, mom, you know, it's something I got to, I've got to tell you, but I would never, you know, say it. So this car ride was about two hours long (laughs) and I would look over at her driving and say it again. Like, mom, I've got to tell you something. She was patient. You know, she kept looking at me. She's like, okay, you know, but she wasn't pushing anything. Um, And finally, when we pull up into the school, I say, you know, mom, I like women. And, you know, my mom, she started off real, (laughs) she started off real smooth and calm. You know, she was like, baby, you know, Erica, I I love you. Um, You know, I've never, you know, interfered in anything you've done. You know, I've tried to let you do you. um, And I love you. You know, I I love you uh, in spite of anything. She said, but if you ever let another M and F and whatever <laughs> tell me in the street before you do, we going to have a problem. So I still kind of got fussed out. The issue was, is, you know, I was scared that the family member that saw me um, told it, but in actuality, there was another situation that happened prior. When I moved back to North Carolina, my father, uh, I, I came to stay with my father and he you know, had these, these older male friends that, you know, kept trying to holler at me. And I'm like, yo, dad, I need for you to talk to your friends. Cause I don't do, I'm, I'm trying to not to be so vulgar about it. I'm like, <laughs> no, you don't, you don't, don't, don't censor yourself. 
completely like feel free to to say it exactly as you said it if that's what you wish i'm like uh okay i'm like dad i don't do dick you know i like what you like you know so kind of you know put a halt to your friends or something and unbeknownst to me he called my mother and told my mom so my mom was more upset about the fact that i told this 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 man that uh you know wasn't really there in my life uh as opposed to telling her when you know at that time i felt like i needed to tell him you know it wasn't a i told him you know just to tell him first you know it, it wasn't that type of situation so my mom was a little you know pissed about that uh but other than that you know I didn't really have any issues. You know, my grandmother, one of my grandmothers thought it was a phase, you know, the, the normal typical response to, uh, you know, coming out. Um, even though, like I said, I, I believe they knew when I was young, you know, nobody ever really questioned me um, about my sexuality. You know, they, I was a little tomboy running around there. So they weren't really questioning me about boys and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that, that's kind of how it happened for me. Boring. I'm pretty sure compared to most people, but, uh, and funny now that I think about it, cause whoo, my mom went off about that, about my, my father boy. Whew. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of how that, how that happened. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I just want to touch on something you said briefly. When you were younger, you were a tomboy. Is that something that you, you continue, like, is that a, 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 a presentation that you continued as you got older? Yes, yes. I'm definitely uh, masculine of centered, uh, rep, uh, you know, representing like I've never been contrary to how my voice sounds, which is it's it. I think it it boggles people, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've I've always it was just me, you know, dresses and makeup and hair and nails and, uh, you know, playing with Barbie dolls and all that. That was that was never me. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just continued on. Do you feel, and I'm just going to ask, I'm just going to riff off of what you just said, um, about your voice and how, um, some people perceive masculine of center women. Um, is that the only, I guess, like misrepresentation you find of masculine of center women or are, are there other things that you notice as well? Um, it's a, it's a few things, uh, it's a, quite a few misconceptions, you know, people feel that masculine presenting women want to be men. Uh, and that, that kind of bothers me. Like, I, I don't want to be a man. You know, I, I'm a woman. Um, I love women. In my opinion, women are stronger. Uh, so it, it bothers me when, when people feel like because I dress like a, a a guy or my mannerisms are a little more masculine that, you know, I want to be a man. Um, something else, too, is that, you know, in, in, in our community, uh, the 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 queer community, it, I don't I don't understand why there's a, a misconception about the fact that studs or or masculine or centered women don't have or aren't supposed to express their feelings, you know, or, or it's thought that they don't have feelings. Um, I find something, I find that weird. You know, we are women. I, 
I don't know. It just it doesn't it doesn't add up. But yeah, there there are quite a bit of of misconceptions out here. Um, but you know, everybody's entitled to their opinions. It's it's just all about education and you know being brave enough to ask questions. I think. And a lot of people do not ask questions. They just make assumptions. Right. I think that that's where the, the disconnect is. Right. And well, I, I moderate like a community of black lesbians and you would just be surprised by how many people say I'm a femme, but I do X, Y, Z and my stud does X, Y, Z. Is this normal? Why wouldn't it be? Right. So I I completely get that. And I kind of feel like we could have a whole other like hour long conversation full of masculine of center women just discussing the different misconceptions and assumptions and roles and whatnot in right, the lesbian right. community that are just so, so damaging. They are. Uh, I mean, and it's all, you know, contributed. When you think about it, like, for instance, when I was growing up, I didn't see representation of me on TV. So all we know is the heteronormative archetypes, you know, and I feel like that, I don't, I'm not even sure how to say it right. It's like, you know, it's, it's applied to, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, just, I just know that coming up, you know, I don't think a lot of people, a lot of gay people knew how to be. I think now in these times, people are a lot freer. You know, kids coming up are a lot freer now um, than we were back then. Yeah, because they have um, they have more people, I guess. That's good in a way, but then it's also bad in a way, because if the people that these younger kids are seeing are imitating the things that they knew as a child, probably like having a, a, a man and a woman in a relationship or on TV or like, I can, I can see the good in that, but then like, I can also see the bad in that. Right. Because we're not a man and a woman, you know, we're, we're a woman right. and a woman and that's how those roles be, you know, how they, how they were formed. I mean, this is what we see. This is what we saw. And this, that was the norm. So, you know, you, you take what you, what you imitate what you know, and I believe that's how it became, you know, quite so disruptive in the community. Um, you know, these roles and these titles and these, you know, a stud is expected to do this and a femme is expected to do that. You know, it's just, it's tiring, honestly. I get it. I, I get it. And I, I hear you. Oh my gosh, I hear you. And again, I feel like this is a conversation that we could all continue having that just yeah. would go hours and hours and hours. It's just so many different topics that it just dovetails into. Um, that is, I, I would say, beyond the scope of our show right now. But right. it's probably something I would love to, um, to to get into, like at a later date. Yeah, cool. So what I'm going to do here is just do a real hard pivot back to narration, although I would love to continue talking about this. Um, when did you get started in narration? Uh, narration, I, I got started in narration um, the beginning of this year, actually. So, well, let me back up. Last year... I had this friend and we were, I think I was upset about my job. I'm not sure what I was doing. I was griping probably, you know, uh, aggravated with the job. And we were having a conversation and she 
asked me what my passion was. And, you know, I'm like, well, reading, you know, she was like, I was like, you know, if I could read for eight hours a day, you know, I would love it. If I could wake up and read and go to sleep reading, that would make my day. So she looked at me and she was like, well, you should go into narration. You know, you should think about doing audiobooks. And I'm like, nah, you know, I'm, I, I kind of blew it off a little bit. But then I went and researched it. And I was like, you know what, this is, this is definitely doable. So, you know, without thinking about it, I started, you know, buying equipment. Mind you, I didn't stop to think whether I could actually do it. I didn't stop to think whether I had the talent. I didn't stop to think of any of that. I just knew that, you know, it was, it was possible, it was feasible, it was, you know, the equipment was affordable. So I started buying everything, um, set it up. And in February of this year, I, I auditioned for my first book. I, it was my first audition. And I worked that day. I was tired. But I said to myself, if I didn't come home and, and at least audition for one book, I wouldn't do it. So I came home. I came across this, this audition for um, a book called The Perfect Waters, uh, book one, Odessa. And I loved the premise of the book. It was about, it's an African-American paranormal. It's about mermaids and royalty, black mermaids and black royalty. So when I read the description on it, I said, you know, that sounds, you know, intriguing, at least in, in all my years and in, in, in all my, all the books I've, I've ever read, never had I come across, you know, a black mermaid. So uh, I read the audition and I sent it in that night. It had to be, it had to be about 11, 30, 12 o'clock midnight, my time. And uh, Alicia McCoy, who's the author of the, of the books of the Perfect Water series, she is in the UK. So I'm not sure what time she received it right off the top of my head. But when I sent it to her, I laid down and went to sleep. When I woke up, bright and early that very next morning, she had already contacted me like, you know, it was good. Let's, let's do this. You know, (laughs) how do we, how do we have to get the process, you know, rolling? And I was blown away. You know, I was, I did it. I did the audition, but I definitely didn't expect to receive a response and definitely not so quick. So it was more like, yeah, I did it. Yay. I got it. But oh my God. You know, like I was just, I was, I was frozen for a little second, you know? Talk us more into your, your process, like your process of getting ready for that audition, because that's like a very hard leap from this book sounds interesting. I think I might want to try to narrate to just narrate and, and knocking it out of the park so hard that the, the author is like, yes, girl, when are you available? (laughs) (laughs) So Okay, I'm going to keep it all the way 100 with you. Um, My process then to now is completely different. When I say that I came home that night and I was exhausted, I was exhausted. And I believe the part that I read for was the the, uh, female protagonist. She was a female lead in the book. She was uh, drunk or tipsy. So in all honesty, I believe when I read it, because you hear, well, people don't hear it, but I heard 
the tiredness in my voice, which could have been misconstrued for her being inebriated. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and then mind you, the 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 piece that I read, if if people ha- once you read that chapter, it stopped before it got real good. That that um the piece that I read you didn't hit the emotion yet because man shit hits the fan you know what I'm saying like baby girl is her body parts are changing from you know from a human to a mermaid so she's freaking out but you you know you she didn't hear that Leisha didn't hear that part she didn't hear me get to that she just I believe um liked my voice for Asia and According to her, she had been looking for a long time. Like her book had been up there for a long time, waiting for someone to, waiting to hear that voice that she wanted. And it just so happened it was me. So she just heard a gold mine, which I completely get in the interest of disclosure. Erica and I are working together on a project. And I have to tell you, the audition that I heard for our project. Erica completely blew me out of the water. She is a total chameleon. Like she knows how to embody every character and make them distinct. Like literally two people having a conversation, she knows how to make it sound like they are two different people and not one person just reading lines back and forth. And it, like I said, it just completely amazed me. So I can definitely see why she wasted no time um, getting back in, in contact with you and offering you the project. Yeah, she, even now, so this, her, um, I'm still working with her. She, the first book, the first Perfect Waters book I did, let me just say she gave me full creative, everyone that I've worked with so far has given me creative uh reign you know like I haven't asked you know they give it to me and I give my interpretation of the book the way you know the way I see it so I've been lucky with that no one has tried tried to rein in on my creativity but when I did that first book it led to the second and now I'm currently doing her third installment of the book and you know it it her her books and her writing style, I, b- I believe, helped me in every other project I've done. You know, um, I didn't, I didn't know anything about narration. Like I said, I didn't research it. I didn't when I, I, I had got it in my mind. The, the the seed was planted. I got it in my mind. I knew I was going to do it, and I took off after it without knowing whether I would be talented enough. I didn't grow up as a kid, you know, speaking in different voices and, you know, having imaginary, you know, friends and shit like that, you know. So when I first did Leisha's book, keep in mind, like I said, I just read the female part. I didn't read any other character to her. All of that developed as I went along, period. And that's how it's been every book since. Um, no, no one has, you know, tried to, uh, you know, give me, you know, any direction. They just give me the book and they're like, do what you do. And that's just, that's what I do. 
And that is amazing. Was there any character for you that was memorable? Like any character that you've narrated that was particularly that was particularly memorable to you? Um well I have I have two characters that um that I like that are particularly uh that I like. The first one is from the Perfect Water series. Let me just say I I like quite a few characters in that book, but the main one that stands out is Calder. Um, so I don't want to take us too far off topic, but I, I feel like I should explain what this book is so that they understand who Calder is in the book. Um, Please feel free. Okay, so The Perfect Waters is, um, it's a, again, it's an African-American mermaid um, paranormal, romance paranormal, and it's about this being in the waters called an Odessa. And the Odessa, if you ask me, is like the goddess of the seas, of the waters. Um, and in order for the, for the waters to be perfect, the Odessa has to experience true love, whether that is the love of a child or the love of a romantic interest. It has to be powerful and powerful enough for her to sustain the waters. And in this, in this book, in this series, the, it's kind of like a murder whodunit. The first Odessa, well, let me back up. The Odessa is, anytime an Odessa is, is, is killed or murdered, because, well, I don't want to tell that part, just in case people want to go listen or read it. No, no spoilers. No spoilers. I'll try not to spoil it. But the Odessa uh, if she is murdered or killed, her powers are passed down to her firstborn daughter, all of them, all the firstborn daughters. So in this particular book, the Odessa is murdered and she has two children, but no one, no, nobody in the waters know that. Uh, the child that's with her in the, in the, in the waters, everyone believes is the firstborn, but she's not. So when the Odessa dies, and the, and the firstborn everybody believes is the firstborn doesn't receive the powers and is able to, you know, stabilize the waters, all hell breaks loose. And you have a woman up on land who is oblivious to the fact that her mother, because her mother, you know, disappeared when she was about nine. She's 27 years old now. She's oblivious to the fact that she's a mermaid. She has no idea. So while she's up on land living life, you know, again, she starts, her, her body starts transforming. She's, you know, she done, she done lost her coochie. <laughs> you know, well, not lost not it, the but coochie. You no. know, she done lost the coochie. It, it, oh, it's morphed. hell no. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's morphed. And, you know, so she, she's thinking she's crazy. You know, at one point she thought she was drugged. You know, it's all kind of, all kind of things. So you're, you're going to experience the emotion of that. But because she's on land, you know, you have, you have about three villains in this book and two of them are witches. And uh, once they find out that, you know, there's another daughter on land, they send their, I guess, assassin. And that is Calder. He is a, a hound he's a, he's called a hound, he's called a hound, but he's a, a shark and mermaid mix. So they use 
the hounds as, you know, to hunt, to hunt and kill. So, you know, um, now, you know, everybody, you have the love interest who is Zale, Prince Zale, um, and you have emperors and empresses and, you know, princes and princesses. You have the entire waters looking for this woman's, the Odessa's firstborn. So, uh, and keep in mind, I said it's a, it's a love story. So Prince Zale is Asia's love interest uh, in this book. Um, but back to Calder. Well, Calder is, is like the assassin, um, but I enjoy doing him. He finds uh, redemption in this book, but his character is so rough. And when it came to figuring out what to do for him as a character, I had already read all the books. So I knew how it was going to, you know, kind of play out. And I thought to myself, as crazy as it sounds, because Calder, I made Calder country in this book. He's a, he's a, he's a countryman. He's a cowboy almost. If you listen to him, he sounds like a cowboy. And I knew that I needed some type of voice that would be able to change the tide for him. You know, anytime you have a villain that's, that's tried to kill the hero, you know, generally people don't like the villain. But I knew that he would find redemption in this book. So I felt like, you know, you know how you listen to country music and it, it just feels so good. They could be singing about, you know, shooting somebody up or slapping them up. And it, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's cool. You know, people are okay with that because it's not so, uh, I don't know the word for it. But I made him country and I felt like people would be able to relate to him. His dry sense of humor. He, he is but he's brutal. You know, he's hilarious in the book, but he's, he's brutal. And I felt like a country voice would be able to bring him back to being likable eventually. Now, Erica has a, a section of this that she reads. She has it up on her Instagram and you absolutely have to, to hear it if you haven't already heard it. I've heard her doing Calder and I took away exactly what she said about him being like real country, being a cowboy. Like I completely got that from him. It's a really great uh, scene in the book that you have to hear for yourself. Yeah, he's definitely gritty. He's probably, out of all the villains I've, I've read for, he's probably, <laughs> he's probably the biggest one, but he's relatable, um, especially once you you know, hear his story, you know, you come to learn how he came to be who he is and that, you know, some of these things were just circumstance that he, you know, he, redemption is, is possible for him. That is wonderful. And I can't wait to hear you said there's three parts to this. Yeah, there are, there, there are three books. The second one of uh, the, the first and second, the, okay. All three books, the actual books are are available now. Mm -hmm. The first and second audiobook is available now. I'm currently finishing up the third. I cannot wait for that. Like I want to meet Calder myself. He he sounds absolutely fascinating and I love villain characters. I love the villainous types. 
have ever since I was younger reading about Iago and the terrible things that he does to Othello in that play. So I absolutely positively cannot wait to to meet Calder and to just burn through all of these books. Now, Calder is a Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say Calder's sex scenes are crazy, too. Ooh. Like, I think you listened. I stopped it intentionally before it got to the sex scenes. If you listen, when you, the clip that you listened to, I stopped it right before he got into the sex. He's kind of, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, he's into BDSM pretty much because he's, he's real aggressive. I mean, at least for the part that you listened to, he had a knife in his hand. Which? And he was, he was trailing it down her as they were speaking. You know, like oh. he was, he was enjoying himself. <laughs> I see. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Calder is, Calder is a different type of character. Uh, but I really did enjoy doing him. He is, I think he, he calls to the darkness in people, which is why I say he's he's relatable. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, he's he's just a little different. That's all I can say. Witches, BDSM, and mermaids. Oh my! <laughs> yes, yes. I can't wait uh, to read let me, this. Let me let me throw in cotton candy dicks too for the for the women out there. That if that's your thing. It's diamond dicks and 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 they taste like cotton candy. And okay. I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna read this and I'm gonna report back to y'all. I'm just I'm just telling you because like now I'm just like diamond dicks. What is what is that? <laughs> so I think we have an idea of what your favorite project that it is that you've worked on so far. What would be your fantasy project? Any book. Any book um, is uh, L.A. Banks. She is she has passed on. Um, rest in peace. But L.A. Banks has a vampire huntress series, vampire huntress legends. I think it's like I want to say it's like eight or nine books, maybe even ten. But if 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 I could go back and narrate any book. Or books, it would be hers. I I absolutely love them. Um, you have vampires, you have angels, you have demons, you have Adam and Eve walking around there. Lilith is in there. Cain is in there. Uh, I mean, any any kind of myth you could possibly think of, they go in and out of the land of Nod. You know, it's like. <laughs> You know, once you realize that that Eve is taught and they're all warriors, that is something else that I love. Adam, Eve, all of them are warriors. We're not even we didn't even get to the to the vampires and and all that other good stuff. Uh, And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Denali or Denali, however you pronounce her name, her band of vampire hunters, they are literally they're African-American, but they are. Like they're a band, like they're a real life band, rock star type shit, you know. But yes, if I could go back, if if it were possible, I would love to narrate her books, all of them. I'm not even sure if they have been narrated. They very well could have been. I don't know. Um, I think the last one was made in like 2010, I think, 
Well, that definitely sounds interesting. And I can tell by the the type of books that excite you that you're a big fan of like paranormal. You're a big fan of, of different books that have like different creatures, witches, vampires, yes. biblical characters. And I just think that that's so yes. cool because that's like, that's not, that's not common. I just, I kind of love right. that. I feel like, um, I feel like it's, it's more common now. Like when I was like, like I said, when I was coming up, I, I, I didn't hear anything about a black mermaid. You know, if I'd have, if I'd have had the, the books that I've, I've narrated Felicia, you know, uh, back then, it may have changed the course of my life. You know what I'm saying? Like I, yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little weird, but I think it's, I think it's more accepted now to be a little, a little more weird. It absolutely is. I, I feel like it's accepted to be, well, to walk a little bit more on the geek side. These days, yeah. and especially yeah. for, for people of color, it is definitely more accepted, right. um, I think, anyway. And it's I would say it's more common than we think, like, because I'm a part of, like, different Ooh. communities on Facebook, like, full of people that call themselves blurreds, and there are a whole hell of a lot of us out there. But, like... Wait, 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 wait. What do you call Blurreds. Blurreds? Yeah, like, black nerds. Blurreds. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to send you links to some of these places. Like, these are people who can, like, yeah. who talk about anime, like, all day long. I'm not an anime person, yeah. but these people are, like, the, the crazy, crazy fans. But I definitely have to, yeah. to show you some of these groups. And um, you definitely. have people who cosplay, definitely. like, uh, Kira, please. Not me, but Kira, please. She's a cosplayer. She does all of these different uh, fandoms. Super popular on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Has just like legions of fans because she's very committed. And then you have other um, cosplayers that do different characters too. So like, yes, in a way it's like more accepted, but there's like way more people than you know that are into that sort of thing. That's what's up. That's what's up. I mean, I love to see it, you know, I love to see it. Cause like I said, back then you didn't see it. Like, mm-hmm. I love to see it. I love that it's, that it's out there that people are expressing, expressing and being themselves. I agree. Now, in addition to reading, which I can tell you do a lot of, what else do you like to do in your spare time? Um, spare time. What's that? <laughs> no, no, I've, um, I've heard of it. I don't know what it's called either, but. <laughs> right. Uh, spare time. Um, I love to travel. Um, I love food. Um, I'm a huge foodie. Um, to, to be honest, I mean, I love to do anything fun. I'm, a, I'm an introvert that socializes like an extrovert. So when I'm, when I'm in, in the mood to go out, you know, it just, it depends, you know, I, it, as long as it's fun. I don't really have too much of an issue, but definitely traveling. Um, I wish I could do more of it more often. My favorite vacationing spot is, is Mexico, um, Cancun. I go just about every year. I love the water. You can't beat the water. I love the water there. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly simple. I'm a huge movie buff. You know, I still collect DVDs. Shh, don't. Nobody heard that. Uh, we're, we're not, we're, no, yeah. we're not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i'm a huge movie buff you know it, it wouldn't surprise anybody you know or any of my friends like i you know i go by myself you know i don't mind going to sit down and eat by myself i don't mind going to the movies by myself uh, you know i just go and 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 do me have a good time 
Absolutely. You have to be comfortable being by yourself. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's so important and not a lot of people do that, but I think it's wonderful. It is necessary. Very necessary. Like how else are you going to discover who you are and what it is that you like and how are you going to communicate that to somebody else? So exactly, I think it's wonderful. Now, here is the part of the interview that is my favorite part, which Erica, gentle reader, does not know anything about, where we get to sip some tea on our guests. And I feel like Erica has revealed a lot about herself that we did not know. But we're going to sip some tea with Erica just for a moment. Now, I can ask you a silly question or I can ask you a serious question and you won't know which one is which. Okay. I'm ready for this. I know our audience is ready for this, but Erica, are you ready for this? Girl, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm messing. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> so we just going to roll with it. Now, on your Instagram page, this is your Instagram page. I've been itching to ask because there was a question up there. You had a post about voices and what makes a voice attractive. To you, Erica, what makes a voice attractive? I'm trying to think of a way to explain it. Um, uh, sincerity, you know, um, you know, I like a, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's just, it has to sound, you know, appealing to my ears. It, you know, um, genuine, you know, nice, genuine. Yeah. Genuine, you know, and despite what people think you can hear it in, you know, in people's voices when they speak, whether they're genuine, whether they're sincere, whether they're being authentic, you know, whether they mean what they say or whether it's just, you know, some BS, you know, so, you know, just a nice voice, you know, um, unique, you know, even just as long as it's, it's appealing to me in some way. Understood. Now, I have one more question for you. One more bonus question for you. That has nothing to do with that. Okay. But this is something else I saw on your Instagram that I wanted you to weigh in on. Who would win in a versus battle between Eddie King Jr. And David Ruffin. <laughs> okay. So, all right. I love the Temptations. I love the five heartbeats. The only difference is the Temptations are real and the five heartbeats aren't. So if it came down to just reality, David Ruffin would win. But in my heart, can't nobody sing <laughs> like old Eddie Kane, okay? <laughs> I love it. You had to add that little twang to it. <laughs> like, you know, I know, you know, David Ruffin is the man. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm not taking anything away from the Temptations. I love them. One of my favorite groups. But the five heartbeats, the movie itself, man, it, that was life for me. I still watch it now, you know. I love it. So I love it. I yeah. just had to ask David you that Russian, question. It's real because it's real. You know, David, David would win, but Eddie King has my heart though. So <laughs> and that is going to be our show. I love ending things on a nice note where everybody's laughing and everything. I mean, when things are like serious, yeah. you're just kind of like, well, that's our show. 
<laughs> See you guys next week. No. Um, <laughs> but thank you so, so, so much, Erica, for being on our show. I really enjoyed our conversation. I enjoyed learning a lot about you and just hearing your process and your journey. And you have been such a fantastic guest. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I definitely um, appreciate it. And, you know, I feel, I feel good. And I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. Thank you. And we are thankful to have you. Now, uh, we will be back next week with Jersey City's own spoken word legend, my friend, sometimes pain in the ass, Duana Sharice. Uh, You will not want to miss that interview. And also many thanks to Smart Face for this week's theme, which will be in the episode notes. Erica, where can our uh, listeners at home find you online? I am on, uh, I'm on all social media platforms. You can find me, you can contact me quicker. Um, or better yet, I can contact you quicker. If you hit me up on Instagram, it's uh, Erica the Narrator. On Instagram, it's Erica the Narrator on Facebook. Uh, my website is um, ericathenarrator.com. My email is ericatn2020 at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. Just look up Erica the Narrator and there I am. And we will have Erica's contact information in the show notes. That's our show, people. Everybody have a good night and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.